Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I couldn't be more excited to share today's episode with Jarek Robbins. I met Jarek at the Pencils of Promise Gala through our mutual friend, Adam Braun, and he has a really unique way of helping people break down their life purpose by first starting with your ideal day. And I did the exercise of really visualizing and then writing down what my ideal day would look like. And I was surprised by some of the things that maybe I would have taken for granted, but really are essential elements to my ideal day. And what that helps you do is to clarify in moments of transition, or if you're really looking to figure out what your purpose is. I know many, many folks struggle with feeling like they're living life on purpose. Um, This exercise is really quite helpful in helping you get tactical with what are the elements that are critical for you feeling fully alive and like you're giving your unique gift to the world. And so uh, we go into uh, a bit of that exercise and uh, and Jarek actually wrote a book about it, which I've read. And, And so we go into basically his process, which I found very, very helpful. And, um, and we really just got into the, the benefits of being a lifestyle entrepreneur and how you can use this exercise really to clarify whether you're a lifestyle entrepreneur, you're working in a traditional, more established corporation, whatever your sort of work-life balance looks like. I think this exercise helps to clarify what your vision and priorities are and then how to architect your life around it. There's another book I read called Resilience, which is by Navy SEAL. And he basically helped to bring his friend back to he, he had, his friend had become sort of lost in, in, a, in addiction after leaving the service. And it's a very powerful book. But the lesson that really struck me in that book was this, this concept of segmenting, which I think I'll do an episode around in the future. But it's, it's when you have a big goal or when you're looking to clarify uh, a goal for your future, it's breaking that goal down into its component parts. And I think with the concept of life purpose, it often becomes overwhelming to think about your entire life, but much more manageable to break that down into the segment of your day and how you can segment even within your day to create little wins and build momentum through those little wins. So I think this will be a really helpful episode for you. I hope you uh, do the exercise of visualizing and writing down your ideal ideal day. And please take the time to leave uh, your feedback in the comments with what you came up with. Uh, if the episode is valuable, it would mean the world to me if you rated and reviewed uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you are listening. And go ahead and tag myself at Michael Trainer and at Jarek Robbins and post a photo on Instagram or tweet tweet to us. I always love your feedback. I couldn't be more grateful. You know, the show's been out less than a month. We've already got over 100 uh, reviews. Uh, we're five-star ranked, and we, we hit new and noteworthy. So that means the world to me. And I'm so grateful for you, the community, and want to make sure that this continues to be of service to you. With that, I'd like to take a moment to just thank our, our, our supporter of the show, which is today is Organifi. Organifi is a wonderful, organic, uh, whole meal protein. I use it uh, nearly every day as a, either a meal replacement or after a workout to give me the essential nutrition that I need. Uh, I love it. I, I come up with a variety of different smoothies, but my go-to is blueberries and spinach pre and probiotics with the Organifi Complete Protein. If you're, if you're interested, I highly recommend the product. I actually approached them. They were wonderful. They gave me a discount code for my audience. So if you're keen, go to www.organifi.com and put in the code PEAKMIND at checkout for 20% off. With that, I could not be more excited to share with you the episode with the one and only Jarek Robbins. All right. I am uh, here with my uh, my new friend Jarek Robbins, who I met at the uh, Pencils of Promise Gala. Yep. How you doing, Jarek? Good, man. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me over. It's a real pleasure. I uh, we met in New York, but we're here in uh, Los Angeles, and you, uh, being a lifestyle entrepreneur, are traveling around the world. I know we 
spoke to your new wife, and uh, you're about to head out on a on a world tour. Where are you heading? We have a whirlwind adventure. We next week, I get back from here. We go speak to 8,500 future medical researchers and doctors in DC. Uh, we pop up to New York for a day, and we catch a flight that goes to Milan, Prague, Vienna, Amsterdam for the night. Bangkok. We'll be in Bangkok for a week. We might have to pop over to Oman to go do a training, corporate training. Um, then we teach our retreat in Bangkok for 13 days. Then we might have a training in Qatar directly after that we're waiting to hear back from. And then we're either going to come home and have Christmas or stay in Bali until New Year. I love it. I love it. So you're playing life day to day and yep. following wherever your heart takes you. Yep. And our, our main goal from the very beginning, the lifestyle entrepreneur stuff, was as long as we can do it from a laptop and Wi-Fi anywhere on earth, we're happy. I love it. So I wanted to talk to you about that. Can you give us a little bit of background? I've been reading your, your new book, Live It, and I love the, the notion of really painting your, your ideal day as a context. Because I know for myself, when, I, when I've thought in the past about what, what is my unique purpose on the planet, it can be quite daunting. And I imagine for, for some of the listeners out there to really consider, you know, what, what am I meant to do here? I like the idea of the, of the exercise in terms of really making it about one day. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I sat back and I remember I was at a point in my life when the transition and I didn't know what was next. And I'd worked um, six years as a coach for my dad's company, two years on the road in sales, inside sales, the warehouse. I'd worked all these different jobs. And I knew it wasn't it. And I was trying to figure out what it was for my life. And I remember just making a list and being like, well, I love fitness. So maybe a personal trainer. And I, and I came up with like, well, maybe I need more skills. So I'll go take a job that like, um, you know, I'll gain a skill as a person and I'll get better as a man. Maybe it's about money. You know, I'll look for jobs that pay really well that I'm good at that I'd have fun doing. And I remember thinking one thing after the next thing after the next thing and not really knowing which way the right way was. I said, you know, instead of designing my life around my business and saying, I'm going to go work and then I'm going to design my life around it, I said, why not design my business around my life? And I was like, well, if I wanted to live my life the way I wanted to, what would that be? And what would be, and this is where it came into, what would be the most perfect day I could imagine, the type of day that I wouldn't trade for anything? Meaning if I could live that day, no matter how simple or how complex it was, I literally wouldn't trade it for anything. Meaning you could come and write you know, a check with 12 zeros at the end of it, and I look at you and go, nah. And, and if you're like, well, you just have to come to my office and work in my building and do my things for the next five years, and I'll give you this check. I'd be like, honestly, that's a really good offer, and it's incredibly tempting and the power I would have, the prestige, the money, the fame, the fortune, whatever came with it is awesome too, but no thank you. I would rather have this daily life because what if I went four years, 11 months, and 29 days and then got hit by a bus? Hmm. That would be horrible. And that concept, you know, I, I thought back to a moment in my life where I had to look at life and death and I was laying in a village in Uganda at malaria and I was told I had five days left to live and I was faced with that thought of, like, what if there is not a tomorrow? And for most people, especially if you're listening to this, I'm guessing if you've ever thought, how would you live your life differently if you only had five days, if you only had 30 days, if you only had 60 days? Now, there's a lot of people in the world who get told that and have a wake-up call, and most people's lives do change after that moment. Mine certainly did. And what was interesting is using that concept that was, I was kind of woken up inside of me when that happened... And then bringing it to this decision of where do I go from here in my life and career, combining them to both, I said, okay, I'm going to design a life that's so rich, so fulfilling, so meaningful, that even if I were to die tomorrow, I know I really lived. Hmm. I know everything I did today mattered. Everything I did today was purposeful. Everything I did today really felt like it was me emanating who I am into the world in my own unique, awesome, creative way. And as long as that's true, I'm fulfilled and I'm happy and I know I did it. So the thought becomes, for most people, how do you take that concept and intertwine it in your life? Right. And it's tricky, because some people listening to this might have a corporate job. Like, you might be, um, I'll give you an example. We had a client, I'm not supposed to tell exact position or company he worked with, but he was working with one of the largest banks in the world. Uh, he was a managing director, which is one step below managing partner. He was there for nine years. He had a multiple six-figure-year salary. He had a seven-figure-year bonus check at the end of every year. He managed the entire global book of business for um, commodities out of their London office. 
And according to everyone in his industry, he was unreal and unbelievably successful. Now, according to him, when I asked him, what would your absolute ideal day be, the type of day that if you were to die tomorrow, you'd die proud, it was nothing to do with what he was doing with his day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Even though he had all the quote-unquote success in the world, it wasn't what made him feel fulfilled or him feel happy. And so that thought of, no, you don't quit your job just to be happy, but yes, you do take time to recraft your daily life so it better fits the mold so that if and when that day comes, you can go out being like, dang, I did it. Like, that's it. And that's where that concept came from. So it's really simple. You know, if, it, if you woke up on your perfect day, what's the first thought that would cross your mind? Where would you be? How would you feel? How much energy would you have? What would be possible on that day? Who would be with you? Where would you go? What would you want to do? What would you want to share with the world? What would you want to learn or create or experience from the world? What are all the elements that would make that day for you just magical? Write it down, capture it, and refine it. Because you might, you know, get four or five, six versions of it and be like, well, I don't know if that really matters to me. And what you want to do is keep taking away pieces until you say, without that piece, it wouldn't be the same. Then say, okay, I'm going to keep that piece. Go to the next piece and say, if I took this out, would, my day, would it still be the perfect day? And if it would, toss it. If it wouldn't, keep it. And it's that simple little elimination process that you, leaves you with a refined vision of this would be my one perfect day. Um, the reason we start with just one day is to make it overly simplistic. So it's not like, hey, tell me your next perfect plan for 20 years of your life. <laughs> Right. Most people are like, oh, I don't know. It's <laughs> Every so day for 20 years, I have no clue. Yeah. So, okay, okay, stop. Focus on one freaking day. <laughs> Just get one day right. And the purpose of the book was chapters 2 through 11 is how to turn that day into reality. Yeah. Everything you're going to face along the journey, from my own experience, um, from my clients' experience, thousands of clients around the world now have used that, those steps and those tools. There's other tools too, um, but they weren't consistent among everybody, so we cut them out. Yeah. And we only wanted what was consistent across the board in many, many, many people that, that stood in the book. Um, we actually did a book club, and we tossed in a bunch of the other tools, that random stuff that worked for me and random stuff that worked for other people, just as a bonus. Uh, we gave that away free on, on our website with, with the book stuff. But um, the core of the book is everything that just worked consistently across the board. Love it. So... If I were at home listening to this, and some people obviously are, are already sort of lifestyle entrepreneurs and, yep. and creating life um, day to day, others obviously, I think probably the majority of folks have uh, some type of a nine to five or as the case may be in, in, in a lot of our society, a nine to seven plus uh, context. If you, if you were to actually do the exercise and really visualize your ideal day, mm -hmm. and I love the way you talk about how you want to feel because that was actually a huge catalyst in my life at one point where my best friend was sitting there with his newborn son and he turned to me and he said how do you want to feel every day okay. and while it was such a simple question I realized even in the trappings of this quote-unquote success that I had achieved I didn't feel the way I wanted to feel okay. and there was still a uh, a yearning for something more and so I've been surrounding myself with people that really inspire me um, and really looking to create that feeling. But how do you, I mean, it's, it's one thing to do an exercise. It's another thing to build a habit and then a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So how do you encourage, whether it be your clients or someone listening, to move from, let's call it a statement of intent or a vision, okay. into actually turning that into their life, building the muscle of, sure. of, of making that their lifestyle? Sure. Um, it becomes getting the right habits, getting the right rituals. And some of the things we tell people focus on as far as those habits of which habits do you focus on? I mean, you could do anything. You could you know, sing because it feels good or you could uh, play a video game because it makes you feel happy in that moment and it makes you feel accomplished. It's like, well, what are the most important habits? And my thought is it's what we focus on there, which is focus on what we refer to as the majors. And the majors are very simply the foundation of who you are, life, business, health, relationships, those things. And the reason why we say this is we give a silly example of if you were to walk into someone's brand new house they just had custom built, it's like, what do most people notice? It's the same thing they notice about each other. They're like, wow, what great architecture, what incredible you know, woodwork in your home, what an incredible view you have, what a great location, this is incredible. You know, oh my God, the, the painting, the decorations, awesome. 
rarely does someone walk in and start like pounding their foot on the ground and go, wow, what a foundation you built this thing on. <laughs> like, damn, man, give me a flashlight. I want to get under this thing. I want to see the foundation. Like, how deep is your foundation set for this house? Like, what kind of cement did you use? Like, is it pylons under there? Like, that's not what you hear. Right. But it's what matters. Rarely do you see someone sit down with someone, other, someone else's life and be like, wow, look at the foundation you build every day and who you are. Like, man, emotionally, you're just so strong and relationship-wise, they're so tight. Nowadays, it's becoming more important, but that's rarely what people notice. They're like, damn, homie, look at your car. Like, that's fat. Or damn, like, look, you fly on a jet. That's amazing. Like, they notice all the external stuff, which is like the view and the woodwork and the decorations. Yeah. They don't notice and or acknowledge the stuff that sets the foundation, that if it's not there, your house will be gone. And that thought process of what those are is saying, you know, I'll give you my version of what I think they are, which is your health. You don't have your health, you don't have anything. I don't care who you are. (laughs) This is just common law of life right now. That that is life. Your health is your life. Uh, Second, emotional intelligence. There's been so many studies recently that have shown people who have high emotional intelligence find a way to make more money. Um, approximately $29 more thousand dollars per year than people who don't have wow. emotional intelligence, according to um, an HR study I was reading. <laughs> uh, emotional intelligence, uh, your intimate relationship. I'm blessed. We just got married a few months ago, and I learned this lesson myself where I used everything that we talk about in this book, and I turned my ideal life vision into reality. Traveling the world, helping people, making a significant income, taking that income, paying it forward to causes and people and things I believed in, knowing that I was mattering, knowing that I was making a difference, knowing that I was truly loving and giving and serving, having a ton of fun all over the world while doing it. Yes. And I remember the first time that happened, uh, for all you lifestyle entrepreneurs out there, I'm sure you're like, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, but the first time it happened, I was in Paris. I had just got done giving a training for like 300 people in London, took the train over to Paris, was sitting on the Eiffel Tower, eating lunch, reading my journal, and I hit the page that talked about that dream that I had you know, probably 18 months prior when I was living in the front den of a house trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life. And I was living it. I was really living it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) And I was like pumped. I was so stoked. And then I remember probably 18 months after that being back in the same exact place after giving the same training to the same group the next year. You know, I I took the train over. I'm sitting on the Eiffel Tower. I go home that night to the hotel. I'm sitting there. It's like 2.30 in the morning. Couldn't fall asleep due to jet lag. But I was literally lonely and pissed and pissed because I wasn't happy. And it's like one of those weird things, like you get pissed because you're not happy, then you get pissed that you're pissed. (laughs) It's just a downward spiral. And I'm sitting in the hotel room by myself, lonely, bored, and pissed, and just getting more pissed by the minute. And I remember being like, why am I so freaking frustrated? And I was like, because I'm not enjoying this. Why am I not enjoying this? This is everything I dreamed about. This is the ultimate vision I had for my life of what I would be doing and who I was and what I'd be, the difference I'd be making. And I remember saying, what's missing? Like, what, what am I not feeling? And I said, I don't feel connection. And I was like, who am I missing connection? And I said, you know what? A city becomes just a city if you don't have someone to share it with. Mm. And all of a sudden, my lifestyle entrepreneurship, my traveling around the world, my going to different countries, my having all these radical, awesome experiences that I was doing became kind of boring. It's kind of like climbing a mountain, you know? You start to notice after you climb so many mountains, all it is is a nice view in thin air. Mm. You're like, dang. And all of a sudden, that next step clicks in where it's like, wow, if I don't have someone to share this with, what is it worth? Not much. And it clicked. Wow. And that thought clicked in my head, which becomes the next foundational point, intimate relationships. Who do you have in your life to share it with? Because that's what magnifies the beauty of life. That's what magnifies the magnificence of life around you, the moments, the little things that matter so much. If you don't have that person to share it with, you're robbing yourself of such a great experience. And it ain't easy. <laughs> it ain't easy. But I spent five years studying my face off trying to figure that out. And if you talk to friends of mine who knew me when I was not in a good place in that area, they'd laugh because I had a lot of learning to do. And you know, my thought of a perfect relationship had to do with the image of what was on the outside of that body. And I very well knew how to hunt down something that looked good. Um, I didn't know how to find from the inside out of what, it, what really mattered. And it took me about five years of studying and practicing to really find that person. And I'm lucky as hell to have found her. And we're married now. And, and it's the greatest blessing. That's beautiful. So that thought. And then you move forward and say, well, what else matters? And your professional life, you know, you, you use the majority of your time every day in your profession. For most people, unless, unless somehow you have significant income from something. <laughs> uh, but for most people, you spend the majority of your time and life in your profession. So what do you choose to do as your profession to give yourself that meaning and connection to who you really are and what matters. 
you know, do you, I, I just did an interview with Brian Tracy, and, and it's funny hearing a perspective from someone with such wisdom of age, and he was sharing, he said, you know, uh, disciplined people get the freedom to do what they choose because they have the discipline to do what it takes to make it work. Mm-hmm. He said, undisciplined people lose that freedom because they need someone else to come into their life and discipline them properly to get them to follow through on what they need to do to get the work done. And those other people who are good at disciplining them get paid a lot of money to discipline them. <laughs> and he's like, because of lack of discipline, they deserve to get minimum wage their whole life because they can't discipline themselves to stay focused and get done what needs to get done. I remember just being like, oh, like harsh, man, but true. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's saying, you know, in your professional life, what disciplines would you need to have the freedom to choose to be and do and experience life how you want to experience it instead of having someone else who has discipline come and lay their discipline on you to get you to do what they want you to do. It's that freedom. And, and it's the thought of either you build your dream or you're going to spend your life you know, building someone else's dream who was brave enough to venture out and start it. Yeah. And so professional life, what are you going to do there? And final one, spiritual life. And, or two, financial life. That's an important one. Uh, I think my favorite phrase there is it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep and what you do with it. <laughs> There's a lot of people who you meet and they're like, I have a company you made a billion dollars. And it's like, how much do you keep? And they're like, a million bucks. <laughs> like, okay, that's a really, really small percentage. Hopefully you did something smart with it. And they're like, I bought a jet. And you're like, oh, man, <laughs> ruined it. And you see, you know, young kids making boat tons of money from all kinds of arts or profession. I think my favorite one I saw recently in the last couple of years was, I think it was Chingy. Um, I don't know how much he makes, but to buy a $50 million jet and deck it out and like pimp it out from the inside out, that better be such a small percentage of his income, it's ridiculous. But I highly doubt, you know, being someone that's in his early 20s or teens, that that was the case. And you see guys who, you know, they make $10 million and they spend $5 million on a car or something silly. And you're just thinking, I wish they had the understanding, like a Warren Buffett style, to say, hey, you know, five million or six million bucks is worth $120,000 a year passive income for life. That's cool. I haven't made it. I've just created a passive income stream to have a really nice lifestyle for forever. Now let's see if I can grow that. But it's a different thought process. It's not how people think usually in finances, but getting the right discipline with the right mentality and the right plan to really perform long term to take care of yourself and everyone else. You know, my fiance and I, or my wife now, and I have a dream that we set up that kind of fund to fund our most favorite nonprofits around the world hmm. and set it up for life where it's like, you know, we made millions, we invested it properly. And just the interest alone from our investments will cause those nonprofits to have funding for life. Love that. So what, if for someone listening that may or may not have that discipline that you speak of, mm-hmm. especially given the fact that part of what we're discussing is, is creating that ultimate sort of lifestyle, yep. right? That lifestyle, often if you leave the sort of confines of, of working to build someone else's vision, which yep. is the traditional sort of corporate path, sure. is oftentimes less structured. So what would you do to rec- – what recommendations would you have or what would you do to cultivate that sense of discipline and or accountability so as to eventuate those goals once they're articulated in, in the context of, say, your ideal day, which sure. then translates to your ideal life? Part of it's in the design. And so it's saying, okay, what things do I need? And if you use the majors we talked about, you know, what do I need to do every day to be the healthiest version of myself? When I'm the healthiest version of myself, I'm going to work harder, longer. I'm going to be more diligent. I'm going to be really focused and intense on what I'm doing and get the most out of every minute of my day. So, you know, then emotionally, what do I have to do to be my absolute peak emotionally? And you just stack these habits. And I always say choose one or two habits for each major category. So what's one or two things you could do for your health every day that are the catalyst, the difference makers, meaning if you do these things, it makes everything in your health vision come to life. And it, you know, for me, my health is eating really clean and exercising. That is not complicated. I'm sure people listening are rolling their eyes. <laughs> it's like, okay, man, like way to lay on the philosophy, Socrates. <laughs> but you got to think about it. How many people know what to do and don't do what they know? Sure. You know, people know to eat healthy and they still go choose to eat shit six days a week. Right. People know not to drink alcohol every night and somehow they pull it off. And it's like, wow, you don't have to be freaking Socrates to figure this out. Like, stop doing the stuff you know you don't need to do and start doing the right stuff consistently. How do you do it? Make a choice. Say, you know what? For the next 30 days, I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to eat the food I know I'm supposed to eat. I'm going to work out every day. That's it. 
and you do it. And when you do that, you make that decision, you cut off any obstacles. We have a four-part part, a four-part system in the back of the book. It's number one, decide any limiting belief, any story you tell yourself of why you can't do what you know you need to do. If you're like, yeah, I can't eat healthy because I have to go to all these client meetings. Bull. That's a story. Cut it out. Um, you know, I can't work out because I'm on the road all the time. Bull. Do push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, air squats, like P90X it in your hotel room. You could do it. Um, like whatever story you have of why you can't get your stuff done, cut it out. And first, identify what the story is. Second, make a true, true, true decision. And when I say decision, meaning you cut it out from your life forever. How do you do that? Think of the power of decision. Um, Rosa Parks in this country, in the U.S., she made one decision for her life that not only changed the, you know, the destiny of her life, it changed the destiny of the country and affected millions of people since in a positive way. And what's the decision? No, I'm not going to the back of the bus today. One freaking decision. Changed, changed you know, seemingly the world of the United States. Um, Nelson Mandela. Yes, I will find a way for us to work together after he spent 27 years in prison. I mean, it's easy for him to make a decision of, I'm going to kill whoever put me here. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to find a way to work with them, become president of South Africa, guide my people to freedom. Uh, Gandhi made a decision. Yes, I'll find a way to stand up for what I believe in. He did change history in his country. One decision. So what would that decision need to be for you to say, listen, I'm going to make this decision today to move towards who I want to be and cut out any excuse I've ever had in the past. Now, once you made the decision, you need a commitment. And this is a big deal. Um, we live in a time in history that most people have forgotten what commitment is. You know, a man's word nowadays doesn't go very far unless you have contracts and lawyers and everything else backing it up. And even then, you better be willing to enforce it. Um, back in the day, if you remember, there was a time in history where a handshake yeah. and a guy's word was all you needed. And, you know, you could sell and buy houses and land and all kinds of stuff on a handshake. I miss those days. It's amazing. It's still, it's still how I want to operate. And, I, and, I, and, I've, and I've gotten burned, frankly, off yeah. of it. But, uh, but I challenge myself to be that man. Yeah. And say, listen, if Absolutely. I shake your hand and I tell you I'm going to do it, it's done. It is. You don't have to question it. And the way I get that to be consistent, I said, you know, one day when my daughter looks me in the eyes or my son looks me in the eyes, who do I want to be in their eyes? Yeah. The dad who always said that I would do something and never pulled through? Or the dad that if my dad said it's going to get done, come hell or high water, he will die before he lets it not happen. Yeah. There's nothing like it. I mean, that's the way you build your, your integrity. And, and you if, if you're your word, there's nothing more powerful. So that next piece becomes how do you make it? What would you have to do to be 100% committed to following through with that decision no matter what? So identify a limiting belief. Make a decision to cut it out of your life. Be truly 100% committed Final piece, what's an action you can take right now to prove to yourself that it's real? You got to prove it. You can't just talk about it. You can't put your plan on paper and be like, I'm going to get to that tomorrow. Mm. Not going to happen. You got to do something right now, this moment. Like, pause the audio and go do it. <laughs> but literally, that intense. You got to be like, this is my decision. This is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is why it's a must no matter what that I'm going to follow through. And here's what I'm going to go do right now. And you pick up the phone and make the call. You, you know, go out for your run. You, uh, whatever you're doing, you go do it right now. You make the call. You, you invite the people over. You say yes. You say no. Whatever it is, you make that momentum happen. Because what happens is all of a sudden your brain goes, oh, shit, they mean it. <laughs> and you start to see momentum and progress show up. And that's how you make that transition from being stagnant and thinking about something to actually doing it. Mm. You, you figure out what's stopping you. decide to cut it out. You make a commitment to follow through no matter what. Um, and then you absolutely take action in the moment. Now, how you keep momentum going comes back to lighting your emotional rocket fuel. Hmm. And it comes down to stacking pain and pleasure. And what I mean by this is you've got to think up what is every painful consequence that'll happen in the past, that has happened in the past, that is currently happening right now in your life, and that will happen in the future if you do not take action. The action you know you need to take. You know, what's everything that's cost you in the past in your life? What has it robbed you from? What has it stolen from your life? Relationships, your health, your fitness, your finances. By not making that decision, what has it robbed you from? Now you move forward and say, right now, what are you missing out on in your life today? Because that little lack of action. And it's like, dang, you think about it. Like You're missing out on relationships. You're missing out on the ability to grow. You're missing out on how, who knows how much money could be made if you just took that action you know you need to. And you dig in and you say, in the future. What is that going to, you know, compound interest? It doesn't just get a little worse. It starts stacking and growing. Mm. What is that going to add up to 10 years from now? You know, 10 years of that same little excuse standing in your way, 
So that's all the pain. You keep stacking it. And what people think about is pain is probably one of the most useful fuels on the planet, but you can't just drive yourself only from pain. It's like if, if you watch those Fast and the Furious movies where they have the Nas button, they would press it and it's like, <laughs> it was like rocket fuel, and take off. <laughs> yeah. um, you can't drive your car on Nas. No. You can boost your car. And if, if people are listening, if you're young enough, it's Mario Kart, those little white arrows you drive over. <laughs> um, but you hit it and it's a booster. It's like, bam, you explode. But it won't keep you going. It will not keep the momentum up long term. It's a short term kick. Now, what keeps the momentum up long-term, the real fuel, you know, the unleaded fuel you put in your gas tank that gets you going and keeps going, is stacking the pleasure, what it's going to mean when you do take the action. Mm. Well, you know, all the pleasure that's going to show up, all the opportunities that are show up, what's going to be possible. So you got to do is stack the pain. That's like the kick in the ass that's going to, like, blast off. Then you got to stack the pleasure. That's what's going to keep you moving long-term. Now, people always ask, you know, how often do you have to refuel? Well... Let's say you're you know, a NASCAR driver and you go to the Indy 500, you get on the track, you're going around the track, how often are you going to pit stop and refuel? As much as you need to keep going so you can win the freaking race. You'd be an idiot if you got in your car, you got on the track, you stick it in you know, high gear, you jam on the gas, you're like, I'm not going to pit all 500 laps. You'll be burned out on the side of the road within a few you know, 10, 20, 30 laps or however long it lasts versus saying, no, every single day my habit is to refill and refuel. So let's... let's delve deeper into that because I, I had a mentor uh, when I was much younger who said, you know, in the planning process of planning your week, planning your day, he said, always do the toughest thing first. Yeah. And, uh, and it, because it, it sets the context for the day. So what do you, I mean, I don't know if you follow that principle, but I, I've found it to be uh, profound. It's kind of like, if you want to be more social, it's, it's, how do you start your day in terms of just saying those casual hellos? Yep. And I find when I say a casual hello to someone, it turns into a small conversation on the train, which turns into by, you know, that night, perhaps some profound interactions. Whereas if I hadn't started my day with that sociability, it doesn't progress in the same way. Yep. So what, what would you recommend for those who are listening who are really looking at, you know, well, how do I make this a, a habit? Sure. Um, the piece that makes it a habit is by making it fun. And a couple ways to make it fun is perception and procedure. The perception of what you think it is you're doing. If you think you're doing this motivational technique to pump yourself up, most people won't do it. Right. It's like, I'm not into that hairy-fairy motivation, like, yippee, yay, pump up, pump up, pump up, okay, I'm ready. If you create a perception that says, you know what, I'm fueling my mind, body, and spirit today. I'm energizing you know, my spirit being of who I am to the highest level. I'm, whatever phrase you would use, that it's meaningful to you, but if you have a perception that says, this is how I build the foundation of my day, this is how I build the foundation of my life, if you create a deep meaning to what it is you're doing, then you'll want to do it because it's purposeful. It's not some motivation pump-up technique. It now becomes a part of your life that's meaningful to you. Um, exactly what you said, do the hard easy versus the easy hard. Mm. So many people rather do the easy stuff first versus the hard, but if you get used to doing the hard stuff first, all of a sudden everything becomes easy after that. Mm -hmm. And it's an addiction. It's something I was taught by a lady firefighter in um, Encinitas who she taught me that concept of, of, you know, look for the hardest stuff and get that done first. And all of a sudden everything becomes easy. If not, you do the easy stuff first and everything for the rest of your day is going to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, you choose which route you want, just know they both exist and you're taking one or the other. Right. So it's like, you either do the hard stuff now and everything's easy or do the easy stuff now and everything's going to be hard. Yeah. And then you got to think of your whole life like that. You know, if you're willing to put in the hard work now, the discipline now, the, um, you know, the patience, the, the effort, the consistency now, what will happen is in the long run, it will pay dividends. and It will give you immense freedom down the road. On the other hand, if you're, not, if you're just going to enjoy the hell out of life now and do whatever feels good, blah, 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 down the road, you're going to have a lot of pain. A lot of, you know, you're going to be that 75-year-old person who still has to go work three jobs just to pay the bills. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was, we're at our mutual friend uh, Adam Braun's office, and uh, Sean Stevenson was speaking, and he talked about this distinction between fun and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty, it hit me really hard at the time because, uh, you know, living in New York, there's lots of opportunities for fun yep. every day, every yep. night. Um, but what he talked about, and I think you touched on it earlier, at least as I listened to it, in terms of your relationship, yep. you know, oftentimes what's fun in the initial instance, like that first trip to the Eiffel Tower, yep. uh, is, is fun, but it doesn't stay fun. And the more you sort of look back, I mean, I've had a lot of fun nights that ultimately didn't wind up leading to fulfillment. Yep. 
And the question is, and at least how it occurs to me is, how do you actually orient your life and plan your life around the deeper sense of fulfillment? So this is what's interesting. Um, I hesitate to ever tell someone what's right or wrong mm-hmm. and what to do. Because I believe everyone in this world is you know, either an example or a warning. And a warning of what to do or an example of what to do. You know, warning what not to do or an example of what to sure. do. I was doing a ra- uh, uh, radio show, XM Radio, um, on Shades 55, M&M Station. And I, there was a host called Rude Jude. And I was in for quite the experience on the show. They had me sign a waiver as I'm walking in the door. It says I won't sue them for what they're about to do to me. <laughs> so I was a little hesitant. And they were, they were pretty wild. Wild crew. Fun crew, but wild. Um, they definitely were... I wasn't ready for what was about to happen, but it was an experience on the radio. I forgot you can cuss and say all kinds of random stuff on XM. So they went to town <laughs> on me. Um, and at the end of the radio show... One of the guys called in, and he said, hey, hey. And he used all kinds of foul language, but he's like, can you get the radio host to stop doing drugs? Come on, Mr. Motivation. You motivate him to stop doing drugs because he's a bad example for the kids out there who listen to this. And then the host looked at me, and he's like, yeah, Motivation Man. Why don't you motivate me to stop doing drugs? Go. And I remember being like, wow. First off, who am I to tell him what's right or wrong with his life? Second of all, you never go against the host on live radio show, period. Like, you cannot go against the host. You'll screw yourself because right. they have control. They right. can cut your mic at any minute, and they can say whatever they want to say. So I'm like, that's a bad idea. And I thought about it. I said, but what's true? And I said, what's true is me telling him that's wrong will not fix it. But me challenging him and telling him truth about life, just stating truth. And I said, the truth is, I said, here's what I got to say. Every human being in this world is either a warning of what not to do or an example of what to do is you look at this man who chooses to do drugs, I can't tell him he's wrong, but I can tell him he's being a massive warning to many people who don't want what the result he's going to get is. Right. And there was like dead silence on the air. And one of the <laughs> co-hosts were like, ooh, like he just got burned. And I'm like, I mean no offense by that, I'm just telling truth. And the other radio host popped on, he's like, damn, that's some real shit, man. Like, damn, like, okay, I'm thinking about it now. Like, I'm rethinking this whole, I don't want to be a warning. It's like, you're choosing to be one. And how do you choose, you know, what's right and wrong? You need context. And I'd say the best context in your own life is saying, you know, is it a class one experience or is it a class three? A class three experience is something that feels good in the moment, not good for you, not good for others, doesn't serve the greater good. Mm. Simple. And there's lots of class threes out there. Things that feel good in the moment, but you know as well as I do, it ain't good for you, it ain't good for others, and tomorrow is not going to be good for the greater good of anybody. Right. Now, or is it class one? Feels good. It's good for you, it's good for others, and it serves the greater good. Yeah, win, win, win. Win, 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 across the board. Now, if you can find class one experiences every night to go do, done. Um, we ran into a guy, you might know him, he does Daybreak. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew. Yeah, I know yeah. him well. We were talking to him, and you know, my, my wife loves the dance and loves to do that stuff. I can't stand going to nightclubs because it's not my scene. For those that don't know, Daybreaker is, uh, is a new uh, concept out of New York, and they just started it here actually in Los Angeles, yeah. where you, you start your day with dancing. So yeah. at, the, at the break of dawn, uh, 6.30 in the morning, everyone gets together. Yeah. and uh, No drugs, no, no alcohol, drugs, no totally alcohol. clean. Yeah. And you just dance your face off. It's become, and it's. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna grow. Maybe I'm naive, but I think it's gonna grow significantly. I mean, it's just started, and it is the buzz about it. Is, it's yep. insane. It's cool. Yeah. It's a way to start your day. That's healthy. That's fulfilling. It's a class one experience. It feels good. It's good for you. Get your body moving. Get your heart moving. Get your, um, what is it called? Metabolism moving. Yeah. It's feel good. It's good for you. It's good for others. Creates a great environment. Healthy environment. Everyone feels good. Endorphins kick in. Everyone's happy. And it's good for the greater good of humanity. Like more people being active first thing in the morning to start the day and kick it off right. I love it. Versus if you go the flip side, and there's, I, I hate, you know, it's not my judgment. I'm just saying my opinion. Sure. My opinion, you know, if you go to a nightclub, class one experience, you'll get, you could get hammered. Or even at a restaurant, you don't have to go to a nightclub. You can go to dinner and just get hammered. You, you drink way too much and it feels good in the moment. It's all like, oh, yeah, amazing. You wake up the next day and it doesn't do anything besides just feels good in the moment. Yeah. And if anything, it feels horrible the next day. And jacks up your whole day, jacks up your whole week. It's it's interesting you bring that up actually because it was uh, our our now mutual friend uh, Lewis Howes and I were sitting down um, in New York uh, a couple of weeks back, and you know I hope this isn't I don't think this is anything uh, confidential, but Lewis <laughs> has never had a drink in his life. Nice. And you know, training for the Olympics, obviously, yep. he's been very successful, highly motivated, highly disciplined guy. 
Um, and you know, like, like you say, no judgment one way or the other, but we were talking about sort of life, love and the pursuit of happiness and creating massive results. And, uh, in the, in the moment he just sort of said, Hey, how about you try a 30 days exercise every day, no drinking, you know, just really go hard. And at first I was kind of like, you know, Halloween's coming up, Thanksgiving's coming up. I was like, no way, I don't want to do that. And then I was like, because I had resistance to it, I was like, all right, I'm in, you know, like, and I'm in the middle of it right now. And I'll I'll say it's been, it's been phenomenal. I mean, uh, you know, I went out last night, it's interesting with, uh, with a friend of mine, Kwaku Mandela and a few other friends and we were out for dinner and, you know, folks were definitely not getting crazy, but you know, there were, people were having a few drinks and. It's interesting now, eight, nine days in, I don't even have necessarily a desire. And the the key difference is the next morning, it's like I know exactly what I want to do. I, I, because I'm exercising, the tough, doing the tough thing first yep. is not challenging because there's, there's, no, there's no fogginess. I mean, even if you only have a couple drinks, obviously, generally, there's a little bit of fogginess. There's, and I just... I just see things proceeding differently, both my clarity and, and my results. Yep. So... It's also good to sort of, I think, take the counsel of friends. And I think to, to what you were talking about earlier, you know, they say, you know, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Yep. One of the things that's also interesting is as I've been doing this, I've been spending time with different people, you know, yep. um, like yourself and others who I think are are living their life in a way that I um, that I respect. And sure. and it's funny the way that your life starts to move when you start making different decisions, discipline yourself discipline, differently and surround yourself with different people. Yep. It 100% does. Yeah. And things don't seem appealing like they used to. And, you know, if you don't eat chocolate cake for months, you go to go eat chocolate cake, and you're like, it looks good. You taste it, and you're like, wow, it just tastes like a lot of sugar. Like, no thanks. I'm not into that yeah. anymore. Yeah. And it's weird because stuff that used to be so exciting, now you actually taste the raw, like, nastiness of it when you even bite in. It's really trippy. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like, if you use that same concept and filter it into other parts of your life and just say, okay, what am I doing here that you know doesn't need to be here anymore? Yeah. And how can I just carve that out gently? And it doesn't mean I have to change my peer group. And I hear this all the time with personal development people. They're like, well, who do you hang out with? Because I'm so busy growing my life and getting my stuff on. I have no friends. I have no community. Where's my people? And it's like, I can't hang out with them because they only do X or they drink or they smoke or they do something. It's like, here's the reality. Everyone is at their best somewhere in their life. Yeah. Someone might be a badass partier but a badass in the gym. Yeah. Go to the gym with them. You know, avoid partying with them. Go to the gym with them. Some might be, might be you know, a mean meditator, but a horrible influence, you know, day-to-day with no job, just sit at home and smoke weed or something. It's like, well, meditate with them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Choose where people are at their absolute best and do that with them. And what will happen is now you can spend time with everybody when they're at their best. Love that. And now there's no like, oh, I can't hang out with you. I don't like you. I don't know you. It's not you're shielding off people. You're just saying, hey, where is this person at their best and how do I do that with them? Yeah. If they're the best daybreak dancer in the world at, you know, seven in the morning, six in the morning, go dance with them. (laughs) But avoid like hell, you know, where they're at their worst. And I got to be honest, just like I said, everyone's an example or a warning. I would further that to say everyone in some areas of their life is an example and a warning. So just because someone's perfect in one area or a rock star in one area does not mean they're going to be that same way in all other areas. So you might take business advice from someone, but you avoid their relationship advice like the plague because they haven't figured it out. So again, look for people where they're at their best. People always ask, and I've had the question a bunch of like, you know, who's your mentor? Who do you look to? And I'm like, I look up to everybody. I look for where is this person an example in their life and how can I learn how to replicate that in mine? And I also look to people and say, where are they a warning and how do I make sure that doesn't happen in mine? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not even just about someone, someone being, uh, you know, sort of black and white in terms of a person's a warning or, uh, you know, a person's an example. It's actually probably each person in their own life yeah. is exemplary on some level in terms of what they're up to, yeah. um, but also has aspects of themselves that may be, you know, may, may be a warning yeah. and choosing to, you know, I like that, that distinction of like choosing to be with them where they excel. Yeah. I love that. And now you get to see the best of everyone around you and they get to see the best of you because hopefully you excel in that same area when you're with them. Right. And, and that all of a sudden you're always in spaces where you're at your best and they're always in spaces where they're at their best. I love that. What do you, let me ask you this. What, what you've, you've obviously, um, surrounded yourself with some, some people that are, that are highly performing. Um, and, and have lived, uh, you know, uh, 
an inspirational life. What do you find to be some of the key qualities of those that are that are living life in a way that you greatly respect or admire? Um, the first is they take time to constantly refine what it is that they want out of life. Mm. And not only do they define what they want out of life, but they define what they want to give to life. And they're very clear on that. They've figured out in their own spirit, in their own heart, in their own being of who they are, what are their greatest gifts and what they want to share with the world. And they spend the majority of their time finding unique and creative ways to share those gifts with the world. And that's something that causes people to excel, regardless if that gift is humor, regardless if that gift is love and listening, regardless if that, live, you know, that gift is creativity or music or art or traveling or volunteerism or whatever the gift is, when they spend time saying, this is what's most important to me, and I'm going to go share that with the world in my own unique, creative way, it causes them to excel like nothing else because it, it magnetizes people to them. Literally, people are drawn to them because they're like, I don't know what you have, but I want a piece. <laughs> and that's how it happens. And yeah. it happens because they've identified what they feel is valuable within them and they know, they've figured out unique ways to share it with people around them. And they found communities that value it. Yeah. That's another piece. That's key. Because you can find people who know what they want to share, but where they're sharing it is completely unvalued. And then they feel like crap all day and they're kind of just like, yeah, no one likes me. It's like, no, not no one likes you. And not, not, it's just, you're not in the place where people value your gift. Right. You're so not go, in your place of resonance. Yeah. Go where people value your gift. And all of a sudden you'll feel like you're home. And, you know, family becomes the people you spend time with in that community. And it's like, wow, these people are my family. Like, they get me. I understand when I share my vision and my message and I share it and ripple it in the world, all these people are on the same wavelength and they dig it. Yeah. That's a key distinction, I think. It's, it's, you, you definitely can tell when you're in the presence of someone living their passion. And especially, you know, I think the, the best way to get out of uh, your crap if you're sort of in your head is, is to focus out and really try to go serve others or be in your passion. Yeah. But and it's interesting because you can be in your passion and it's hard to maintain that if you're surrounded by people either who are, let's call it, not operating at that same level or just don't resonate with what you're up to. Yep. And so the, I think that distinction of saying, hey, you know what, also surround yourself with those that share that same, that, that like that same music, so to speak, yeah. is important. Or at least value it or at right. least allow you to have space to express it and right. appreciate that about you. Um, Brian Tracy pointed something out this morning. I was talking to him. He goes, you know, you and your dad talk about live with passion, passion, passion. And he goes, let me just tell everyone who's listening. You're not passionate about, about stuff that you're not good at. <laughs> he said, you don't pick up an instrument and you're passionate about it when you suck at it. Right. And he says, you become passionate when you get good at it. And he says, most people nowadays are so freaking impatient. They don't give themselves enough time to become passionate about anything because they don't have the patience to stick with it till they actually get good at it. And he's like, you got to realize it takes 10,000 hours to master something, roughly about five, you know, five to seven years, two years to figure it out. On year three, you start getting a little bit of results. On year five, you start really performing. In year seven, you start seeing really, really solid lasting results in most business based on all you know, statistical research. He said most people don't stick around more than a few months and then say, oh, I'm not passionate about it. I don't love it, so I'm going to quit and try something else. Right. He said like, you don't stick with it long enough to get good at it so that you can be passionate about it. Yeah. And I was laughing. I was like, wow, good distinction. <laughs> Especially, I mean, he's, he's old school, so everything he says is based on absolute research. Yeah. And I was like, wow, good point. I said, what if people went into something, instead of saying, you know, this is my three-week plan to see if I like this or not, what if you went in and said, you know, I'm going to dedicate five years to this, just five, and I'm going to see if I love it. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my homework. I'm going to study. I'm going to make a list of my greatest talents and gifts that I think are valuable that I really want to share with the world. I'm going to make sure it aligns with my own personal needs and desires of who I believe I am. I'm going to make sure this job or this, you know, whatever I'm going to do aligns with my values of what I believe is most important in life and my rules of how I feel congruent with those values. I take everything and make sure it really matches. Then I'm going to say, no matter what happens, I'm not going to give up for five years. Hmm. What would be different in your life if you had that kind of commitment? For most people, radical different way of life. Profound. Just simple. Yeah. Simple. But it makes sense. I can't remember the exact quote, but it, there's that, that sort of providence that until one is committed, you know, it's, it's sort of always, it's always wavering. But yet, once you make that declarative commitment yep. and you put it out there, I mean, it doesn't even have to be public, but an unequivocal commitment yep. 
the results are absolutely profound. I mean, I saw that when we created the festival. It was there was no reason to believe we would have any success. We didn't really have a pot to piss in, and uh, you know, it's a few a few of us with with without ever ever uh, having ever thrown a, a major music event. But the declarative commitment and and the clarity of vision rallied the kind of people that came to support and eventuated the goal. So it's like I saw that, and it's 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 something that's become a, a principle in my own life of saying, okay, well, whatever I'm up to. Love, you know, and also being okay with failure. You know, I mean, yeah. Edison failed at the light bulb, you know, ten thousand times before creating yep. creating the light bulb. So how can you both be committed, but also recognize that failure is not the end? You yep. know, um, I, and I, I think that holds a lot of people back. But at the same time, it can be a profound uh, it can be a profound motivator. Yeah, it, it's tricky when you think about that concept of Edison failed ten thousand times, roughly. Yeah. And you say, okay, you know, whenever I'm in a room of executives or professional people, I always ask them to stand up. And I say, listen, I want you to stay standing. If you would attempt to go after your ideal day at least five times, like really, truly five times in a row, failing miserably every time, getting nowhere close to it, but you give five solid attempts, how many people would keep trying to turn that day into reality after five attempts of just wickedly failing? And even with that, people will sit down directly, just five. Yeah. Five attempts. This guy did 10,000. Five attempts. They're already gone. Like at least 40% of the room. Wow. And I'm like, how many people actually didn't even want to try because you were so scared that it might not work that you gave up before you even tried? And a handful of people raised their hand. Like, wow, the fear of failure got these people before they even tried once. But five times kicked, you know, 30, 40% of the room down. I said, what about 100 times? 100 times in one year of your life trying and it did not work. How many people would quit? Another giant percentage of the room sits down. Like, wow. So let's say there's 20% left after 100 times. That's not even a lot. Out of 10,000, 100 took out, let's say, 80% of the room. Like, wow. Okay. How many people do it 1,000 times in, let's say, four years? And you see a lot of people kind of like, think about it. Four years, no results, nothing, 1,000 tries. Too much for me, man. And you see a bunch more people sit down. You, you're left with like, if a room of 100 people, you're maybe left with 10 people standing. <laughs> you're not even, you know, 1,000. You got 9,000 more to go. Yeah. So you're like, okay, let's just speed it up. Let's say 10 years and 8,000 attempts and you still don't got what you want. How many people keep going? There's usually one or two left at this point. Then they're just going to stand up the whole way. They're like, I'll never quit. And you're like, oh, good for you. Go ahead, sit down, liar. Um, <laughs> but, but who knows? I, I tease them. I call them liars and everyone laughs. But I'm like, maybe they really believe in it that much. Maybe it's awesome. And I, I support, like, I support them like hell. I yeah. tease the hell out of them, but I support them. Yeah. And I said, but you realize we celebrate people who are willing to have that kind of commitment in life. But look how few of us actually have that kind of commitment. Right. What would you have to believe about your life to have that kind of commitment to go do what you want to do? You know, if you looked at your dreams, your goals, your vision of what you really wanted and you had that kind of commitment, it's amazing. And people don't realize how freeing that is if they just commit at that level. Yeah. But most people are so flippin' afraid to commit at that level, they don't ever try. Yeah. The majority of people. So that's where you stand out and you become addicted to that process. And something I learned living in a village in Uganda, how do you fall in love with life no matter how much you have or don't have? Mm. And when you can fall in love with the lulls just as, you know, the valleys just as much as the peaks, you've got it. Yeah. Because there's going to be a day, no matter how good it gets, there's going to be a day when shit completely falls apart for you. Yeah. <laughs> Period. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you have. I don't care what you're about. It will fall apart at some time. That is just nature of life. Um, and there'll be a day when you think it can never get better and it's all downhill and it's the end and when it all turns around and it starts going uphill and it's better than you could ever imagine. Yeah. Those two days will always exist multiple times throughout people's lives, period. Now, can you learn to enjoy the day when it falls apart just as much as the day when it all comes together? If you can, you've got like superpowers. That's the magic. you got superpowers. Yeah. Because the day when everything feels like it's full in the hell and you just got a smile on your face and you enjoy the ride, you're like, I knew this would happen, no big deal. Yeah. You know, life's happening for me, not to me. I'm just going to enjoy the ride, see where this takes me, turn it around when I get there and keep on building. When you can have that kind of attitude, you conquer life. Because there's nothing that can show up that'll slow you down. Yeah. And it all has to do between you know, your mind, your experience, your nature of who you are, your energy you bring to life when shit happens. 
Yeah, it's like that Victor Frankl esque, you know, just it's 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 yeah. the the, the, the meaning and purpose. Meaning. Yeah, basically people, and you know them when you come across them. And, and in my experience, it's 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 oftentimes not it's not the people you would expect. It's not yeah. people with it's it's the person you can just see the sort of shine. You know, it's like they just emanate a certain aspect of their way of being, yeah. and it's just. You know, someone, you know, beautiful, some of my best days have just been like, you know, like you traveling, I've been in Sri Lanka a couple of years and, you know, I'm in a bus driver, you know, just, yeah. but you could just tell the way he approached life was just like, man, yeah. he was, he was living it, you know, each day and it wasn't about, and I, I think this is another thing is a lot of us, you know, really looking to create this ideal day, ideal lifestyle. Okay. There's this perception of, of fulfillment through activity or something outside yourself yeah. right but I, I think one of the key distinctions that that I'm hearing from you and that I've also found is it's it's actually taking that magic of travel and and applying it to the mundane every yeah. day or applying it yeah. to that day of challenge absolutely and the guy I met that gave me this perception was a you know a janitor at a clinic in a village in Uganda yeah he swept leaves yeah and every day he'd wake up right at suns, sunrise and he would just sweep leaves off this path I remember watching him, and he, you know, ragged clothes and, and little hunchback, lean forward, this, like, thatch broom, and just kind of sweep, 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 step, step, sweep, sweep, all the way down the path. And I remember watching him every single day for 30 days, never missed, every morning, exact same time, always at sunrise. Wow. And I got so freaking curious that I had to know why. And I found a translator, and we went and asked him, like, why do you do what you do? And I remember he shrugged his shoulders and said, because I'm supposed to. And I was like, no. <laughs> Like, why? And I, I, she finally got it. She asked a different question in a different way. And he got this huge, big-ass smile on his face. And he said, you know, the reason I sweep the leaves every morning is because I believe every human being, a small baby about to enter this world or a sicker elderly person about to leave this world, deserves a clear path to do so. Wow. Now, I remember watching this man live his life, watching the amount of joy he got through sweeping those leaves, watching the amount of purpose he lived with, I mean, I met, you know, Wall Street bankers who make more money than this guy will ever see in his life, who have more wealth, financial abilities than this guy will ever imagine, have the ability to go to every party and every ritzy thing and every restaurant and private jets and the whole spiel, multiple homes, blah, 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 blah. And this guy had more purpose in sweeping leaves than they do in all that they do. Wow. And this guy had more meaning in his life than most people I've seen around the world. And it all came down to him deciding something meaningful and purposeful in every ounce of who he was and what he did, yeah. even though it was seemingly so freaking simplistic. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many people who have such complex things they do every day, and they just sit around and you know moan about how it's not their purpose in life, or they don't know if it's what's meaningful. It's like, how do you find meaning and purpose? By adding it to what you do. Yeah. Find the deep meaning and purpose and pour it into what you do every day. And now... I mean, if this guy can fall in love with sweeping leaves, you can fall in love with anything. <laughs> and if you choose to fall in love with everything, everything in your life will be the most meaningful and purposeful thing you ever do. I love that. I love that. Well, Jarek, I first of all, I want to acknowledge you because I, I love the, what you're up to in terms of going out there, traveling around the world, committed to not just informing people, but inspiring people to action, yeah. to action. And, um, I love the book. It's, it's, I've, I am going to do again, this exercise of what my ideal day looks like, because frankly, it changes over time. Um, but I would, I would guess I would leave with this. What would you say to, to a listener who's really looking to live their life on purpose? What would, what would be the, if you were to sort of codify, you know, one, two, three, just basic steps that they can do to start this process um, what would you recommend? Um, it's my core philosophy of what we live by. And it's learn it, live it, give it. It's learn what it takes to achieve the results you desire and deserve, the things you want most in life. Live it. Go out and make your life your message. Live it so ferociously that you do not have to say a thing to anyone around you for them to pick up on exactly what they have to do to get the results because they see you living it so ferociously in your life. Your life is your message to them in the world. And from that point, give it, pay it forward. Find what works for you and find a unique way to pay that forward to people around you to give them the opportunity to try it out themselves and see if it's worked work for them as well. Beautiful. Um, live it, the book, check it out. Where can we find you uh, online? A um, couple places. Liveitbook.com, just L-I-V-E-I-T book.com. Um, there's, if you want 
there's a free Ideal Day Design Kit on there. Beautiful. It's an audio, you know, 25-minute audio program. We're walking you through the process with music and everything. Then there's a five-minute daily audio version to use to reinforce your vision every single day to build that habit. I love it. All free on the site. Um, or jerickrobbins.com. It's my main site. and it has all the other stuff we're up to. Beautiful, man. Well, I'm absolutely uh, thrilled to have you. I'm excited to get to know you further and to uh, to be on this journey and to uh, to keep keep watching you inspire. Uh, and uh, thank you for being here, man. Cool, man. Appreciate thank you. you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you too. All right, brother. Thanks so much. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jarek Robbins. I know I did. I hope that you uh, go off and uh, try this this amazing exercise and visualization around living your ideal day. And go ahead and share with, with me your findings. Um, either comment below or uh, take a photo and tag myself and Jarek uh, on uh, Instagram. And uh, if you found the episode value, please go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Um, The ratings and reviews help to push us up in the algorithm so that more people can receive these messages. So your your positive ratings and reviews mean the world to me. If you ever have any feedback, you can feel free to uh, message me directly. And uh, I reply and am always grateful to hear from the community. So thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. Go out there and live your inspired life.